You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Making Waves We are live. Hey, uh, welcome everyone to Making Waves episode 14 on this October 14th. What a coincidence. Anyway, guys, uh, big show tonight. We want to thank, uh, well, I'm going to thank him now. I'm, I'll thank him later too, but everyone, please welcome Johnny from uh, Nothing More. Woo! He's our special guest tonight. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks, for Chad, Daddy. Oh, and obviously, you guys know Chad from uh, Wilson. He's also the host of Ship Rocked. Uh, again, everyone, welcome to uh, Making Waves number 14. Uh, this is me, a great show tonight. And again, we can't thank uh, Johnny enough for coming on and, and thanking the Nothing More family. They've been great for us, and we've enjoyed having them on. And we know that all the Ship Rockers are always stoked when you guys are mentioned. And... Uh, so listen, guys, if this is your first time joining us on Making Waves, if you go to our Facebook Live streaming page, you can go into the comment section. If you have a question for Johnny, please go ahead and pose that, and I will try to get to it. Otherwise, I'm just going to let Johnny and Chad talk shop, and we're going to hear some great stories. And uh, and uh, you guys ready? Oh, I'm so yeah. ready. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> have at it, I've gentlemen. Been looking forward to, I've been looking forward to this one for uh, since, we, since we confirmed it. I got so excited. I haven't seen you in so long. You look so beautiful, as per usual. Likewise, dude. I uh, I I don't remember the uh, the exact last time we hung out for a brief moment, but the last time I remember that we hung out for a while, uh, you were having a good time as you always do, <laughs> and uh, I love I love running into you on on the road because I always know I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I hope my good time has never spoiled spoiled you rotten too too bad. I think we were at maybe the Aztec in uh, Los Angeles, right? Uh, you guys had a successful show, and we were partying downstairs. I came in and said hi to everybody. I think it was Los Angeles. Uh, when I hear the Aztec, I think of San Antonio. But oh, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about a room that looks like the Aztec. But yeah, it was downtown Los Angeles, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about now. Yes, yes. Yeah. Was that the last um, Nothing More tour then before all of this craziness? Have you guys, did you guys tour after that? You guys were headlining. It was uh, the, the few. Yeah. So so we thought that was going to be our last tour. Um, and then we started writing the next album and we got an offer from Ghost. Um, so we, we were like, ah, I guess we'll tour a little bit longer. We, we were pretty yeah, much you, done, but we, we couldn't turn it down. Did you guys actually do the tour, right? It, I mean, that was th yeah. last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know if it was like one of those ones that got pinned in this whole entire situation, shit situation that we're in currently right now. <laughs> you guys have yeah. been making the best of it, though, man. Um, I, I'm paying attention to everything that happens in your community. Um, first of all, your community is awesome. 
they have an application out now. If you're not uh, familiar fans out there, you can go to their website. It looks um, something like this on the website. And before I like dive into a bunch of funny, fun stories we could talk about, I wanted to ask you, are you guys currently recording then right now? Yeah, that was uh, a big reason we did this uh, whole app because we wanted to, uh, this time around when we made our album, we wanted to bring people into the process kind of, you know, show a little leg, if you will, just kind of tease it. And uh, we felt like we would always just kind of disappear for this period of six months to a year to a year and a half. Um, Cause we're, we're one of those bands that we go deep into the cave. Um, not quite like tool or a band like for that long, but you know, long. And yeah. a lot of people we felt like we're, would either get disconnected or, um we just they wouldn't know what was going on kind of in the dark and so we thought it'd be a cool way to keep people involved and just sneak peek little parts of the album uh without context so they get to hear kind of what it's going to sound like but when they hear the album it's still going to be very surprising because as you know so much of what you write a lot of it gets cut and reorganized and some songs turn into other songs so it's gonna be kind of cool for them to see where it started and where it ends up and uh that's the big, big idea behind it. Hey, yeah. John, so you're real, essentially, I'm sorry, no, Chad, I was just, I no, I was just going to capstone on that real quick. I'm, yeah. If you want to capstone, then I'll come up with my question. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to say yeah, just to, to be, to be clear, what you guys are doing is giving sort of the inside look uh, at the process without divulging too much information, but because you get so recluse, it's kind of like a behind the scenes look for the fans, but also for your, uh, the ability to stay focused on what you're doing. But during these times, give some sort of interactive um, explanation of what yeah. you're doing. Right. Okay. Exactly. That's the biggest thing. And the other, uh, the other purpose was, to kind of create a, our own community. Um, you know, social media, there, there's so many different branches off our tree from Twitter to Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere else where we're doing podcasts and live this and live that. This kind of brings all of that to one place. So our community, you know, our VIP tickets, our be- meet and greets, our uh, discounts on merch, all of those things are getting funneled into this. And so you get basically... Um, you know, just on the value side as well, as far as, you know, percentage off merch or, you know, exclusive giveaways, things like that. Um, it's just, it's kind of a win-win for everyone. So we finally got it working. Um, we built like three other versions before this, had to fire some people and do it again, but now it's up and it's running. Well, it looks good. Good firing. <laughs> yeah, I, want, I want to piggyback on just what Chad says. Is It's a new paradigm, this whole inclusive thing. And I, it, I think me personally, as still a fan, I think it's fantastic to bring people into the process because, you know, there always used to be like, oh, you got to keep your band mystery, mystery. Tool used to be, you mentioned Tool. Tool used to be like about mystery, but not anymore. They're doing the front cover of, 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 of magazines and everything else. It's like they realize the curtain's been pulled back and there's more to benefit and more to gain to bring your audience in with you and, and, and let them in the room. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fascinating process too. Plus I think people helps people understand the creative process a little better, which sometimes can be very trying and challenging. So it's good for them to see that as well. Absolutely. And I've always been very resistant to that because I'm a very um, selective person when it comes to <laughs> things that I put out. Um, I've gotten a little lo- more loosey goosey over the years. Um, but there's, you know, our label and other people were always pushing us 
post, 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 post all this content. And I was always like, I didn't do anything interesting today. Like, why would I post something, you know, but that was the nature of the algorithm and the nature of, you know, where humanity is, seems to be going in this bite-sized addictive kind of culture. Um, So I was like, okay, maybe we can tap into that without totally selling out to the bullshit side of that, that we don't like. And in a sense, we're kind of doing that with this, but it's almost like, what if you could watch a documentary before it was put together? That's kind of what this is. You're seeing all the pieces um, uh, as they're made. I mean, I can't, I have to say you've done it. You've done a great job explaining it. I'm just going to kind of like, if you're, if you're watching uh, for our, our people tuning in on Facebook, you can go here. The website is um, nothing more. I think community nothing more dot net or something. Correct. If you search nothing more, this is the first thing that pops up. Yeah, just go to (laughs) nothingmore.net and it'll it'll, uh, take you there. We have links to the apps. It's really cool. I've, I've been diving into to, to process because it's something like you said, funneling all these things together is into one cohesive piece is probably the best thing that you could do because it is there is so many places to, to touch upon as a band and staying constantly involved in the areas that that we've kind of been forced to through, you know, new inventions like Snapchat and TikTok. Right. You, you If you're not doing what yeah. they're the you know, the status quo is expecting, then you're kind of going to kind of get lost in the shuffle. There's no more Maynards anymore. You know, uh, the right. idea of being a recluse, it only exists in certain areas and, and rock and roll is more or so uh, in, in in my findings, heavily behind that sort of tech and the communication mm-hmm. skills that you guys have always been forward thinking in that way uh, and doing a great job such as this to bring them all together is really cool. The fact that you have your own application for it is even cooler. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, we're, uh, we're really excited about it. And I think uh, it'll be a cool opportunity for other bands as well. I think the, the more we build off this and connect with other bands and, you know, do do kind of synergistic things, you know, back in the day we would uh, swap shows with bands back when we were young and, and hungry and just trying to get shows anywhere. We would be like, you can play in front of our fans in San Antonio. If you let us play in front of your fans in you know, New Orleans or wherever. And the same kind of thing, I think with our, our community. Abilities where this can go. And um, I'm just excited to, you know, people start seeing the album being made. And like you said, there's, there's no more Maynards anymore. So we're finding a new path here. Yeah, man. You know what? Uh, you've always been, you've always led that path, that new path, if you will. And I wanted to kind of talk about bringing us back to uh, uh, where the band's origins came from tr- trading shows. I, I cut my teeth in the uh, hall scene days where you would rent a VFW hall the band yeah. from two hours away would come down and play and then they would rent a VFW hall and you do the same thing, you know, like it was the idea of community and how you built it, built it with like paper flyers and in school and shit. And I'm, yeah. I'm assuming we spent a lot of time together on the road, uh, multiple tours and things like that. So I've got to see the inner workings of your band um, in ways that I've got to see your butthole, frankly, you know, I, I got to see <laughs> the spaces that people don't get to see, but with that butthole, there's a, there's a history to it. And I was hoping, I mean, as, as tired as you might be of talking about this, I never get tired hearing it. I know the fans don't. So if you don't mind, can you tell us like how the band actually came to inception? You, I think you were the drummer at first, right? Or something. Uh, yeah. So I started on drums. Uh, we've known each other for quite a while now. Um, so it started around seventh grade when I was going to a summer camp. (laughs) 
So uh, I, I met that. Mark. Awesome. <laughs> in, yeah, I met Mark in a dorm uh, where we were staying, and he was like two years older than me. So you know, you're at that age where two years is a big jump. And yeah. so I heard him blaring Metallica riffs down the hallway, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, this guy is—he could shred." And so I walked down and I was like, Hey, you want to be in a band with me? And of course he's around all his buddies. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, calls me back like a week or two later after he heard me play drums. He's like, all right, let's jam. And, uh, you know, from there kind of, kind of grew. I met Daniel a few years later. Um, we're actually in a, in a church band and it, there's a lot of twists and turns of this story, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. So, so from, from drummer to vocalist, uh, was that out of necessity because whoever was singing at the time just sucked and you're like, step aside, kid, I got this. Or well, how did that come, come to no, fruition? No, we, so we had uh, quite a few singers throughout the years. Um, many of which either were a really great friend, but weren't the best singer or they were an amazing singer and just totally flaky. Um, that gotcha. was seemed to singers. always be the rub, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> singers, man. Um, and uh, so we finally got to the singer before me, Trey, who, who's still a good friend of ours. Love the dude. Um, but it was one of those things where stylistically, it just it never felt like it just locked in completely. We were just a little different stylistically, and uh, it wasn't until one night in Mexico with a uh, a lot of tequila that I decided to muster up the courage to say that I wanted to sing in the band. Cause before then it was, uh, that was unthinkable for me for a long time. I was, had stage fright like no other. My biggest fear was talking in front of the class. Uh, so singing seemed like an absolute horror to me. Um, and so I, I just didn't even know how I was going to do it, but I knew it, if I didn't do it, um, basically I would go to my grave wondering what if i had tried and so i'm glad that i did but it was an awkward like two-year transition where i just sounded like a squealing pig in front of audiences all over uh dive bar america you know yeah. how, how do you, how does one go from stage fright to basically being shirtless and shoeless performing live that takes a lot of bravado <laughs> so yeah that's that's quite that i mean was it just basically like i'm gonna do this and hear me roar um, honestly, that, that's kind of, um, how I always rolled, you know, since I was five years old was no shirt, no shoes. That was, that was just kind of like my go-to. It was kind of a, kind of a wild man feeling. I was just always kind of yeah. a hyper kid. And my grandma used to always call me Johnny Appleseed cause I walk around with barefoot. And, um, so as I got more comfortable on stage, it just, basically became one of those things where I was like, Hey, I have a job where I can dress however I want to, which by the way, most of my life I was in a private school and had to wear a uniform and oh, I wow. hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I always told myself as a kid, when I grow up and I can wear whatever I want, like I'm going to wear whatever I want, no matter what anybody says. So I'm in a job where I can do that. So I was like, well, that's, where well, I feel comfortable. You know, Johnny, now <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's for you, it's a stage costume, but it's also become somewhat of an iconic look now. I mean, everyone, if everyone's, if anyone knows who you are, maybe not heard you, they see you live, they'll see you and go, I know who that band is. I'm familiar with who that band is. And so in a lot of ways, it, it is part of your stage presentation. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about way, that. Yeah. Hey, can yeah, I, yeah. I've got a, I've got a question from a ship rocker. Can we get to, I kind of want to, 
the last thing you guys just kind of put out was a acoustic version of gone here recently right yeah 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 so uh karina wants to know if there's ever something you guys discussed doing a full acoustic record uh actually yeah we've talked about that quite a few times uh that's something i've been wanting to do but we wanted to get one more full length um since most people that have heard us they heard us come out on the self-titled album uh, which was our first label release so this would be our third album for a lot of people um and we really felt like we wanted to get I don't know why it just felt in our gut that we want to get that third album that just rocks and is heavy before we do an acoustic album and something that sure. takes a little bit of a softer turn. Um, but that is something I want to do because like gone acoustic that we just uh, re-released. It's, beautiful. it's a uh, beautiful song. Just, it sounds amazing like that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah we have, we have quite a few acoustic, acoustic renditions kind of scattered around. So we'd probably bring those together like fade in, fade out and Jenny and gone and maybe do a few others and put them into an album after this next album. Thank you. Thank you for answering that. Karina, there's your answer. So yes, they're hoping on that, but they're going to get this next one out of the way first. It's heavy. And th this came out, gone came out in uh, this October, right? Just recently, a couple of days ago, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it was out uh, years ago, but it was one of those songs that, you know, when you like release a single and it's not on an album, it, Sometimes it kind of just gets lost into the yeah. netherworld of the internet. So we remastered it and came back out with it because we were doing a, uh, we did this etched vinyl um, from the Few Not Fleeting, which it was our 10 year anniversary of that album uh, not too long ago. So we were kind of just doing a bunch of throwback stuff to that album. And this was one of them. Okay, yeah, because I was I was wondering what the uh, I think it said 2010 uh, on the release somewhere uh, when I found the Gone thing. Yeah. I, it said acoustic 2010. So you re you revisited it around the idea of this re-release because you are re-releasing or has it came out or is it August uh, October 30th that a few not fleeting comes out um, on the vinyl uh, yeah. special release. Yeah, the, we did like a remastering um, and then we did a, a special kind of etched vinyl that we yeah. uh, did a few tracks on. It, it looks really cool. I've never seen one of these before, but they actually, uh, it, it's not, you know, paint or uh, a print. They literally carve out the vinyl. So it's an etching on it. So when you hold oh, it shit. in the light, it like, it reflects in really cool ways based on how the light's hitting it. So we did that special release, uh, release uh, along with some other things in that theme kind of around Halloween, we have a song called Burn the Witch or Salem yeah. that, off that album. Gotcha. And that's a big fan favorite live. So we're like, Halloween's coming up. Let's do some Halloween-y stuff. So we did that song and fell in love with a ghost, you know, kind of more Halloween themed uh, kind of, you know, qualities and uh, released a bundle with that etched vinyl, which also uh, our drummer, Ben, just uh, completed his tasty, tasty hot sauce which he's worked oh, I on saw for that. quite some time now. Yeah, he finally <laughs> got it bottled, approved, everything. So uh, hopefully you'll be seeing that in stores one day. It's really good. We've been putting on all of our food. I'm not just saying that because uh, – I'm yeah, covering up my face very, here, but are we looking Are we looking at the etch, <laughs> the etch in the vinyl? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, that's, that's the etch vinyl. Man, it is so cool. That, I didn't even know the, that was a thing. I had no idea that uh, – you could do that. With yeah, it does a little more color. justice. Uh, if you go to our um, Instagram or uh, our Facebook, we, we posted a video with the light hitting it. 
um, it does a little more justice than just like a, you know, photo, but people yeah. can check that out. Yeah, that's cool. It, um, it looks like the record that was used in the, uh, in, in zombies, uh, Lords of Salem to, to, to oh, basically, yeah. to, yeah, to summon the, the witches whenever, uh, Sherry Moon would put it on and had that etching. So that's, that's pretty cool. Ah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Circling back to that uh, hot sauce uh, and what you guys did with that, well, what Ben did with that, there's some like, uh, like some videos I, I think I saw on the community page where the feed is, where you could see like the actual yeah. like creation or the rabbit hole, I think is what you guys are calling it. Yeah. Where you guys get into the depths of, of your, your actual modes of creation. Uh, how long did, how many times did you have to uh, burn your witch, your butthole, uh, until you guys had, he's like, all right, it's just spicy enough. Or, or, or was it right off the bat? Boom. Got it. Before I answer that question, I'm going to start calling my butthole, my witch, because you, should. you said that. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Got to go, uh, take care of my witch. My witch, my witch is burning, bro. <laughs> um, yeah. Burned it quite a few times. Uh, you know, he had a few renditions of the sauce, you know, one that was a little spicier, one that was a little less, one that had a little more vinegar in it. So we got to try a few different renditions and, uh, you know, he got it dialed in. I love it. It's, it's not too hot though. It, you know, it's, it's got that spice, but it's not one that is just, uh, for show where you're just doing it to see how hot you can get. And, but you'd never do it again. Cause it tastes horrible and it just hurts. Uh, yeah. we did that the other night though. We did the hottest chip challenge. Have you ever done that? Oh, with the one chip? The one chip. It comes in a box. You can order it online. Uh, we all ate one chip. Of course, Ben ate this, the giant one because he's uh, the master of all things hot. Yeah, show off. <laughs> Dude, we were dying. That, that, that shit's hot. How, how far, how many bites did you get into before you had to like just call it? I, I just went all at once. Um, but all I had a once? small one. Yeah, I, just, uh, I got it over with. <laughs> Uh, it was bad though. It was bad. So, so if I could come back to the, uh, to the record, the 10 years, uh, later, the, the re remastered revisiting, you guys have some events yeah. coming up. One of them being uh, a live stream of you. Are you performing the record in, in its entirety or is, or is it a performance live stream? I just saw the October 21st, um, oh, there was yeah. a live stream. Yeah. Um, no, I think we were just gonna be checking in. Uh, with oh, okay. fans, and we were going to be doing a uh, uh, kind of like a listen through. So, gotcha. Almost like some fun commentary, like fun facts, things you didn't know that happened during the recording of it, or stories behind the songs, things like that. It's kind of a deeper look into that album. Okay. Can I, can I spoil a little, have uh, you spoil a little bit of that um, and tease some of that, specifically with the song Burn the Witch? Um, and maybe how <laughs> sure. the, what the live show ended up looking like, um, t today when you guys played that, that song, n n I, I remember being on, on the road with you and, and thinking, what the fuck song is this? Cause the, you know, we had the record and we listened to it yeah. all the time, but we never heard that song. And I I don't think it was until maybe Mark had said, Oh, that's an old song, man. So I had, you have a, such yeah. an incredible stage show planned out for that one moment, you know, and you had, I'd, we had never heard the song in, until we went and go find the old release. But until then I would have to, uh, I would have to assume you, built it up to be a, a special piece of your set, an integral piece of your set that you just couldn't get rid of, uh, I would, you know, yeah. as you move forward. So how did, how did the introduction of that moment that we know, uh, of, from you guys happen? Like, was it just, let's try some um, shit or what? 
Well, I think uh, part of it was our manager, Will, at the time. You know, he's, he's a very good mirror when it comes to live performances and what people are reacting to. And at the time, he, we would always, like, cut that song. And he's like, no, 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 no. Put that song back in the set. He's like, that's the one people are screaming, burn the witch, you know, on the, the riff. And uh, so much so that we didn't even have it in the title originally. It was just Salem. There was no burn the witch so eventually we're like we gotta put in parentheses or something because people are gonna be typing burn the witch and not find the song which is always a you know funny argument we always have when naming songs but so we started putting it in the set more and then uh we always did some kind of a drumming thing similar to y'all when we toured with wilson with you guys uh in europe i remember y'all did this big drum thing too and we came out with the bass drum and all that that was so fun and uh we've always liked when bands do that and I've always, you know, started on started out on drums, and I was in drumline in high school. So we always did big ensemble things. So I was always putting drumsticks in Daniel and Mark's hands and trying to get them to play some rhythms. And then when I started singing, we had another drummer, and I was like, well, now we now we can definitely do like an ensemble. And we just kind of started building it, and for whatever reason it just seemed to fit in that song that we would do a, a big drum ensemble thing. Wow. So it, did you guys just keep trying to one up each other until it got to the point with like, okay, then you do this and you're, or was it just completely spastic and it wasn't planned <laughs> out at first? Like, you know, you show up to practice and like next, the other guy's got a floor drum and it's bigger than the other guy's floor drum. Yeah. So you just kind of like get to the spot of where you can work everybody's pieces in. And then Daniel shows up with like a, a, a soldering iron. He's like, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make my own version of this. Dude, yeah. Th- yeah. Dan, actually we've had many uh, amalgamations of this, uh piece and it was in different songs at one time and daniel at one time you mentioned him he did come with a pvc pipe one time (laughs) and this is the funniest thing because this was back when we were playing uh smaller shows so the audience is right there there's no barricade they're just like crotch level you know face to crotch you know you know what i'm talking about with those tiny stages (laughs) my favorite slash least favorite (laughs) right right (laughs) Uh, you're like, this is weird. And uh, mm-hmm. you come with this big PVC pipe and you would hit this trash can. Uh, and I-, I was like, we need to put like a symbol on or something. So we, we, I think he fastened like a symbol to the top of it. And almost, you know, every other night, someone was getting really close to losing an eye or <laughs> injured because he would smash this thing. And there's people right there and like sharp shards of PVC would just explode off the thing like straight into eyeballs and stuff oh. so we had to we had to stop using the pvc and they so started using like a metal pipe or something then we started breaking the trash can too much and hey, uh, yeah speaking of the drums uh justin one of our stalkers has a question for you i mean you guys i mean we're still a ways away from the touring industry and, and live performance but uh what's are you going to stick with or replace the scorpion um, I think we're going to stick with and develop on it for its own thing, but we're building a whole nother monster right now. Um, that's, uh, D- Daniel's been working on this for the last year and a half. Uh, so we have a whole different thing. Um, but the Scorpion will still be there. I think we're going to just elaborate on it a bit. What was the genesis of that? I mean, did you just think of something or was there a movie or did you see something and go, well, maybe it's Kiss Levitation drum thing? I mean, where did that all come from? (laughs) 
Uh, Daniel actually had the idea of ele- elevating me on the stage mm-hmm. um, with something mechanical. And so he started, uh, he started connecting that idea to the drums that I had up front. Because when I left the drum set and started singing, I was like, ah, I got to take a few drums with me. So I took a kick drum and a snare. And Dan was like, um, oh, originally I was telling Dan, I was like, I want to stand on these drums. Do you think you could weld something to make them strong enough? Because they were wobbly and I was going to hurt myself. So he welded what we call Drumtron, um, all, AKA Vlad the Impaler, because it impaled yeah. many people throughout the years with the rusty edges. Um, <laughs> all and, those Romanians. <laughs> <laughs> and so he built that. And then he had this idea to take that with like a catapult device and elevate me on stage to where I was playing drums like this. And then I got elevated and I'd be playing kind of drums like this, you know, sideways. And from there, um, I came to the jam room one day. So that was that idea, right? Separate idea. And then I came to the jam room with a different idea where I had this little controller. It almost looked like a video game controller and it was a wireless MIDI device. So I could control the bass guitar and the guitar while they were playing um like a video game and so i was playing all these effects almost like manipulating their pedals in real time and i was like this would be really cool it's like i'm djing a live band and so dan was like it sounds awesome but you look super dumb he's like (laughs) you just look he's like you're just sitting there like doing this he's like nobody wants to see that like in a live show and so thankfully dan brought his you know perspective to the table and he's like why don't we build something that you are using your body against you have to push it you have to pull it you know you have to hit it it's more physical you know and violent not so like moving your thumbs because that was always my critique of uh a a lot of electronic music in in the live atmosphere it's just i I mean it's all so much of it's on tracks and it's like wow you press the button who gives a fuck you know so yeah. I wanted something exciting and uh, Dan brought it to life. And so it's just idea, idea, and then connecting the ideas. Okay. Yeah. You guys are like, uh, like quintessentially the, the best beacon that I can think of for collaboration when it comes to bringing your strong suits to, uh, to, a, to find a solution for a problem uh, or maybe even building your own problem and then finding the solution for that own problem. <laughs> we do that more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least, I mean, but teamwork, dude, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I would walk out of the venue and I would see Daniel like welding something and I walk onto the bus and there's you editing your, your music video. And then I come into the venue and, and there's Mark going through all of the channels of his guitar line for the, for the MIDI changes and all those cool pieces of tech that like it would take, it would take an army, you know, to, to, to do, but you guys just believed in each, you just believe in each other's strong suits. And I see, I saw every single day I watched uh, each one of your strong suits come out. And it's, it's very rare that you find a collaborative group of people like that. There's always like one guy who's doing everything or two guys that are doing everything. And everybody else is just like, <laughs> I don't know, man, I just play bass or whatever it is. Like that's not acceptable nowadays. It's just not acceptable. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it's a, it's a definitely you guys rare are, and tough to find that. Yeah. Uh-huh. You guys are in the studio now, and you guys are following up the 20 stories we tell ourselves. Can you tell some people about what's going on? Is this kind of just a continuation of that? Um, and let me and let me add, and that was the Grammy-nominated 2017 album. So congratulations <laughs> on that. 
three years removed. So that's always been nothing else. You did that. So um, is this just a continuation of what you? Uh-oh. Uh oh. I, I thought it was my computer. So if I could pick up what Justin was saying. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I lost half that. Uh, is it mine? Is it my computer? Yeah. You froze up there oh, for a second. I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. There we Dude, go. Well, New Orleans, man, you're lucky if you get internet here at all. <laughs> the best. So, <laughs> so, so, oh, are so you guys awesome. still working in the in San San Antonio? Then <laughs> is it you guys together in the studio with Will on this new record? The process is that you've taken between uh, the self titled and the stories we tell ourselves, and now this record. Is it all been kind of like the same, similar? Like we guys, we get together, we huddle down. Will is helping to produce and engineer your manager, and you guys are all on the board together like a collaborative record um it's a little different this time around and i i think what i could hear justin saying and and what you said i think i can answer both questions because they're kind of generally the same um this process is different than the last few because this is the first time we, we've lived in different cities um i live in louisiana now and our our drummer ben he lives in phoenix arizona and so it's been, at first it was like scary because we didn't know how it was going to affect our process and how many problems that was going to cause. But for me, it, it was honestly very exciting because I just wanted to see how it was going to kind of screw with our process and give us new challenges, like new ways of writing and collaborating. Because um, when you're abroad, uh, you work on ideas a lot more in isolation and then, you know, share them. So a lot of it has been coming together in San Antonio, working in a jam room, splitting apart, working for a few weeks. I'll work in my studio. I'll uh, lay down different versions of the idea we worked on and share it with the guys from my little home studio. And then Ben will share some drums or new parts. Mark will record a bunch of guitars and send them to me and then get Dan to record with Ben. It's just like this constant like whirlpool of sending each other things and listening. And when we went into this album, I was like, you know, the where technology has gotten, um, we can do this now. Like we really can make an album mobily. We still have to be together for a few weeks here and there, but let's just see how it goes. And so far it's been really interesting um, and it has affected the process. Um, you just get different results when you change that process. So now we're, uh, we usually keep Will out of the process for a little while um, just so that he stays objective. Because when you hear these songs in 50 different forms, you start losing a sense of, you know, you get vertigo. You lose a sense of up and down and what's good and what's not. But you've really kind of squeezed out a bunch of creativity. And then we bring Will in. And he's like that first wall that like bounces off a lot of stuff, cuts things, says that's awesome, that's not. And then from there, you know, we just start building and we'll go back into the studio uh, to do drums. We just got kind of the end of our demoing stage and we'll be doing drums uh, in like two weeks in El Paso at uh, Sonic Sonic Ranch. Um, yes, dude. It's going to be badass out in the desert. Butthole surfers, uh, man? Oh, yeah. man. If you got any peyote, let me know. Uh, I'm sending it. I got you. At the end of the process. I'll hook you up. I'll send you, uh, I'll get you a shaman down there. That's so you guys the are doing the record. So why not? <laughs> That's a beautiful studio, man. I don't, have you been in, have you been there before? No, no, but I've heard about it. 
Yeah. Um, my friend, my friend here in Detroit, Jessica Hernandez, she did her record down there. I, I, I can't remember if it's Gilby that, uh, who, who's the, the owns it. One of the dudes from the uh, butthole servers, I believe is the, uh, is Gibby the dude. Oh. Yeah. Gibby. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Oh, I think. okay. Pretty cool. Uh, that's a, a, a cool place to do. Is that the first time you're going to be doing this, a record in El Paso then? Right. Because you guys have your yeah, own studio or something, right? Yeah, so we just do drums in a big studio, and we'll all set up and play live together. And a lot of that stuff will be keeper, and we'll keep for the album. But then we'll split up and do individual stuff and kind of replace a bunch of the parts with the individual things. So we, we just like to get the best of both. Some bands are real purists, and they just go in and play something live, like a Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of a vibe. And then some bands are super you know, piece by piece by piece, everything's in isolation, kind of like, you know, metal bands, a lot of gent metal bands nowadays. So we like to try to find little gems in both processes. And yeah. put them together. The hybrid of it really works for you guys. And I think it works in for a lot of bands when they adapt, adapt the idea of the old meeting the new and finding a middle ground where you can utilize the technology as you have, but also be together in some way, shape or form. Uh, yeah. So there's an energy you can't replace. I, I think when you're nice. Totally. Person. Hey, speaking oh. of old, uh, Jennifer <coughs> wants to know, we're going to go way back here, uh, Johnny, is like, who are some of the artists as you were younger that, uh, that influenced you to make you want to go into a career in music? Um, so funny enough, uh, I don't know if anybody will know these artists, <clears throat> but when I was a kid, my dad took me to a Christian rock show, uh, I guess, cause he thought it'd be, you know, PG and safe to take me to when get beer spilled on me or whatever. But uh, it was a band called Petra and a band called Grandma Train, which was like this kind of grunge band out of Seattle and Johnny Q Public. And I'll never forget uh, just watching the drummer. And I remember looking up to my dad. I was like seven and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and yeah. I just got chills. Like even as a kid, I remember getting chills, which I had never like felt that feeling before. It was just like, overwhelming because uh you know when you're a kid you don't have that filter yet and it's like you know scary movies are scarier and loud noises are louder just everything's more vibrant and it just hit me like on some deep spiritual level at seven years old and that was it petra by the way was a massive band back in the day they were big so yeah that was that's yeah like newsboys big newsboys wow <laughs> That's all them too as a kid. You're right. <laughs> yeah, Elliot, me too. Well, <laughs> Newsboys. Oh, I'm thinking of Newsies. I'm sorry, the movie. Crazy. Uh, also <laughs> great movie. Uh, but it's always funny. As, as Johnny's talking to people. It's like, you know, I, Chad, was it Mark Tremonti who said that Grease was basically his intro into this? And like Burton from Fear Factor, his first show was uh, Air Supply. Yeah. And that's what affected him. What? He said, that's, yeah, you're kind of going, oh, you guys are seeing like, Black Sabbath or anything? No, <laughs> farther in, <laughs> other end of the scale. So, yeah, those are always great. Wow. So, uh, Jennifer, That's there you go. It, it was a Petra and uh, was it Johnny P? Was it the Johnny uh, Public? Johnny was that the P one that was blowing you away? Was that the one blowing you away? Train. Uh, Grandma Train was the one that I became one of my favorite bands for a while. Okay, um, they were a little more grungy. Okay. Um, but yeah, Johnny Q Public was a favorite too. Okay, <laughs> right. That's so interesting. <laughs> I used to listen to that stuff. 
uh, uh, not many people maybe even know this part about me. I uh, started as a vocal, my, my vocal debut was in a Christian metalcore band. So I, my my bands <laughs> used to play with like Zayo and, and Under Oath yeah, back in the day yeah. and Norma Jean before it was Norma Jean and you know when it was Ludacris and things like that. Those those dudes I played with, uh, wow. yeah, Travail, all those, all the metalcore stuff myself. Yeah, I lived Dude, in I okay, lived in Texas with up, those guys. You grew up on all the stuff I did because it was like yeah. I I wanted to listen to heavy heavy stuff, but my parents were pretty. Um, I was their firstborn kid, and they kind of just were overly, you know, filtering everything right. And so I was like, well, if it's Christian, you can listen to it. So I got the nastiest. <laughs> Yeah, you know, nothing like throwing on living, living sacrifices reborn records. See, mom and dad, yes. <laughs> we're all embodiment, good. all that stuff, man. Yeah. Like oh, it was yeah, a way to get around it. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because like those bands now, those guys in those bands nowadays, you know, not to get anybody like too too bummed about it, but you know, they've all shifted their mindset, and I think it was their answer too as a child being put through that through whatever version of religion just by nature of who your parents were, but they wanted to play in a metal band. So if they could, if they yeah. screamed about Jesus, right, they could, they could do the things that they wanted to do. And then at some point in time, uh, pull the veil up and be like, Hey, check it out. You know, Satan rules or whatever it is. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah. Eat shit, dad. <laughs> you know, <then> move on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of how, where you guys stem from too, like just being from the South, uh, are you're originally all from San, San Antonio. Well, the three of you that are still from the original inception besides Ben are all originally from San Antonio, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that area of the U S in general is really hard, right? To cut your teeth into when you're uh, oh, coming up yeah. to be in a, in a band, even if you're getting attention, like how do you get anybody even in Austin or Houston or Dallas to pay attention, not Houston, but Dallas or Fort Worth to pay attention to you down in, in San Antonio? Yeah, it's a weird spot. Um, there, like any, I'm sure, like anywhere, there's pros and cons. I think the pro was that when we pulled out a map and we bought a 1970s like uh, shagon wagon RV, we were just like, Texas is like the size of a country. Why don't we just tour Texas? Because it was it was digestible. We could do it. We there were so many towns in Texas. We were like, okay, this is accomplishable. But outside of that. Uh, advantage. I think San Antonio is very difficult because it's a very fragmented scene. There's not like one spot. There's just kind of like all these little pockets and there's some really interesting artists, but they don't usually make it out of San Antonio and there's not a whole lot of momentum. It's really Tejano music and death metal. Um, and then Austin is right down the road, but it's just overly saturated. I mean, there's tons of music and it's great as a listener, but if, like you said, you're cutting your teeth and you're trying to make a name for yourself. Uh, it was just, it was kind of, you get lost in a sea of other bands trying to do the same things. So, yeah. You know. Promoters San, are like, if you buy these 20 tickets. In, yeah. San Antonio's interesting, <laughs> interesting kind of place. I mean, it used to be kind of the metal capital of the world. And, you know, bands yeah. like Priest and Maiden and Slayer kind of made their name in that city. You know, domestic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh there was a club called the White Rabbit that was oh, real yeah. well known for a while. It's it's still there, but it's called the Paper Tiger now. Um mm -hmm. oh, it's really? still called that. They cleaned mm -hmm. it up. It uh, you know, 
I kind of missed the old grungy one where you were always a little nervous if you're going to get mugged. It was just kind of <laughs> had that right. that quality to it, which one of my buddies actually did, unfortunately. So hell yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I did. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, they cleaned it up. It's got a different vibe now, but it's much nicer. And but I think something happened where, like like you're saying, back in the '90s or something, there was a lot of rock and metal, and that culture was there. But I, th- I don't know if it was the radio station or what, but they just kind of decided to close the gates to anything in the future. And they just stopped playing new music. I mean, they, I remember when we came out with our first single, we were uh, very fortunate and thankful that we got a number one out the gate. And everyone in the rock world was playing that song except our hometown. Our hometown <laughs> rock radio station would not play us. And so... Uh, no joke. I, I, you know, a few years down the road, um, I basically we, we revisited San Antonio and I basically just did a big fuck you to kiss radio off from the stage. <laughs> I was like, dude, we've been here for so long. We try, you know, and sure enough, a few months later or a year later, they finally started playing us. I don't know what happened, but some corporate stuff, I'm sure. There's some nice people who work there, I'm sure. Well, but you know what happened is when, uh, what, yeah, when, when Joe Anthony died back in the 90s, that's when DJs and stuff like that, that's the, the whole scene for radio change when Joe Anthony passed away because he was like the big mm. kind of, you know, ex, ex, exploring new music and finding new acts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man. So what was your first like real legit no, nothing more tour? Like and I, when I mean that, I mean, we all we all think of our first legit uh, uh, band tour when we're able to leave our hometown and there's two people who show up. Right. But like when you got your <laughs> first like real opening slot offered, and you're like, we're fucking doing it. I told you, dad, hail Satan type sort of shit, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I honestly think the the first real again, real, real one was uh uh with mike portnoy you know the drummer from dream theater um uh, uh, he was in a band called adrenaline mob and we played with them and i think we started somewhere in new jersey or something so we had to drive all the way up there um and kick it off and that was that was unreal um that was our first time to do like a national level thing and there's you know hundreds of people every night and so, yeah, that was cool. I just remember the band, uh, I think the guitar player, uh, uh, Orlando, uh, he, uh, he, I just remember him snapping at me the very first day. I think I was tuning a drum or something. He's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. As I like, very first day on like with this pro band, and I'm just like this young kid. And I was like, am I not supposed to do this? <laughs> Didn't know the rules, you know, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, you're lucky. Sound checking, you're not. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky that that, that was like, uh, that happened to you so early on. Cause some people are too nice, right? You know, like you, you'll have an opening band and your tour tour and you'll be like, yeah, you know, just like be cool about it. But like at yeah. some point they're going to get a further along the lines and that's going to become the regular, just being an annoying asshole all the time. And then they're going to yeah. get kicked off a tour, but you got the first, the first like jolt of like, Oh shit, that's not what I do. Do I? Uh, that's yeah, yeah. awesome. Man. Yeah. So was it, it, it just sidebar for my own curiosity? Was it like nerve wracking as shit uh, being a drummer, uh, you know, having all of these, I would assume at this period of time, you probably also had some of the stage show with the, with all of the external drum pieces there or no. Uh, and um, Yeah, but it was a much smaller setup and we could barely fit it on stage. It was <laughs> right. Uh, I could barely move. I had my drums upstairs, 
up front and I literally just had one area to stand. So it was pretty humbling. Uh, they didn't give us a whole lot of room. Then you have to do it all from Mike Portnoy. So it's like shit called Portnoy had so many drums. We called it drum village. It was just like, it took up half the stage. And I, you know, before then I was like, dude, this guy was my idol. I mean, I, I was a drummer for years before I ever sang and he was the dude I got his DVDs I learned all of his fills everything and I was like I'm going on tour with him what the hell and then we got on tour and I was like his fucking drum set's way too big alright <laughs> <laughs> we get like, it cut it down Portnoy <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta move around a bit yeah, you're annoyed by your le- le- by yeah. your heroes like inept ability inability to understand space. Yeah. <laughs> you need all the roto toms. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, well, ours was uh, Guar, uh, like the first like legit. We had, yeah, we had done some tours, but they were like four or five days. But like the first like legit thirty day run was with Guar. Zero days off, uh, thirty days in a row not one <laughs> inch of stage, maybe more than this for me to stand on, you know, cause the, the people yeah. eater, uh, that Guar would carry on it. And the second band, we were the first of three and every oh. night it used to be like a pure heart attack for two reasons. One, I don't want to touch their shit and break it while I'm up there on stage. So every <laughs> inch that you would move in that, that tiny little space, you're like, just be careful, pay attention to where you're at. And then two, oh, yeah. don't fall off the stage cause you're, definitely going to slip on one of those like because everything was covered in blood from the night before so every yeah. step you like i would kneel down you <laughs> know to pick up my uh, pick up my my cable and i'd pull come up and if i was wearing anything else other than black it was just all red <laughs> everywhere <laughs> red so and no white. white shirts for that tour huh <laughs> nope nope yeah man so then moving forward all these years all the touring you guys are one of the, one of the i think shit man one of the hardest working bands that i I can think of in modern rock when we went on the road with you that very first time you just gotten off of like 200 straight days of shows traveling internationally flying back and forth and then getting in a bus and doing it all over again and here you are to you know here you are in a situation where not only you're making a record but also you can't tour as it is does that feel like like where's your psyche man like how do you guys feel feels amazing Sick. I, do. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> well, with, with as much as we've been on the road, you know, it, it was nice to have a break. Um, mm-hmm. We were very, very fortunate that we were already going into the studio to work on an album. You know, thank God. I mean, if we had a whole European tour and U.S. tour book and, and had to cancel it, that would have been awful. Um, Daniel so would have been, been over nice. there, like turning you into all into robots because of his his idle hands and your. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's been it's been a mental challenge, man. Um, honestly, you kind of get you get used to living a certain way, and um, you know when you're home, there's so many more distractions and so many more responsibilities. Like when you're on the road, you're kind of very focused, and so many of the jobs are delegated so that you can just do your job and focus on music after the show or whatever. Um, when I'm home, it's like this is the first time I've ever lived in a house, you know, up until then it's always been apartments. Um, and so it's like just, just the little things of like normal life, everyday life of like, yeah, shit breaks all the time. And I got to fix things or, you know, worry about this or that, or what's planned here, or how we get this taken care of. So there's that whole other element of life that's kind of kicked in 
that I've never really had before. Um, so it's just a growing up process, but you know, there's many, many nights where I'm like, I need to be on the road right now. I need to get out of here. This is like, you start going stir crazy. Um, so I've definitely yeah. gotten there as well. Yeah, man. I can't, I can't imagine having a, like, if you were, like you said, if you were in a situation where you had plans, just going as hard as you had been and then having to stop. And then what do you do with those idle hands and those idle thoughts and all the things you've been working on when you guys do go yeah. underneath the covers, you know, far deeper than I think most people are even uh, aware of when you guys are putting together what it's going to look like in your touring cycle, you know? What's kind of interesting too, with uh, our crew, um, you know, a lot of the guys that do all the jobs that help us do what we do. Um, I've spoken to a few of them and they, you know, a lot of times get depressed because they're home for too long and it's just not a part of their routine and how, you know, whatnot. And so when COVID hit, I feel like the rest of the world got to experience that a bit, which was that, that coming off tour kind of drop feeling, um, where people start going, you know, certain things come more to the surface when you're just stuck at home, depressions, anxieties, you know, uh, chemical abuse, um, so that's been interesting too. Um, it's been a mental challenge, but, um, I don't know, I guess for us as musicians, we always go through that quarantining, you know, going into the studio and go crazy already. So it's just kind of part of the process, but I think yeah. the rest of the world's kind of gotten to experience it in some weird way. Well, I think yeah. it's hard to go for people who are used to movement. It's, it's super hard, even when you're, you know, I'm on the bus for eight hours. So this next hall, this next leg, I mean, you still realize you're moving down and you're going to have, you know, this at yeah. eight o'clock in the morning, I got to start loading in. So yeah, have that. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one more question before we start talking to you about Shiprocked, uh, Johnny Samaritas. She wants to know during the pandemic, when the pandemic kind of ceases, um, how are you guys going to go about getting back on the road differently? You're going to have a different protocol to what you do, or is it just kind of a wait and see thing with you guys? Um, like a, a different protocols that we said, like, you know, like how are you, are you going to basically when you get on the road? Oh, is there going to be basically now, I, maybe a lot of bands should talk about this. Like what's going to be the process when we get back in the road? Do we have to address how we do things backstage differently? How we set up differently? Do we? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Um, cause I think there's a quite a few differing opinions within our own band. Mm -hmm. I mean, in our band, we have the full spectrum of, you know, not caring a whole lot to wearing a, you know, taking every precaution you can. Sure. Um, I lean a little bit on the side of the spectrum of being a little more loosey goosey. Um, you know, obviously if I'm in situations where it, it's a matter of respecting others, I will, and I'll wear a mask and things like that. But I've been, I've been hanging out and having a good time, you know, when I can, where I can, I, I got COVID during this whole thing knocked it out. I kind of wanted to get it personally. That's just kind of how I am. I'm like, I just want to knock it out, get it over with, get my body used to it. So that's kind of, that's just me. That's my perspective within the band that we have all the different gradients. And so it's going to be, you know, probably some kind of an argument about what, how we Toilet seats. handle it, what we yeah. do, what are the new protocols? Um, yeah. I, whatever we do, I am probably okay with as long as it's temporary. I do not, when people say the new normal, I'm like, fuck that, dude. I'm not into this new normal. Like, I'm totally down for being respectful and doing what we can. But 
I got like one, maybe two quarantines in me. After that, it needs to be like a flesh eating disease or something <laughs> where you spontaneously combust. And those are the standards. If not, I just, I'm not in again. I'm, I'm out. Sorry. Sorry. The I idea, I, just, I can just see great. you like, ah, I just take <laughs> off the shirt and just walk in yeah. there. Just do it already, brother. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be safe, just don't come to the show. Far out, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, oh, anyway, man. dude, uh, Chad, you want to ask uh, John about his, uh, his Shiprock experiences? Those guys have had uh, several, so I'd, lo- I'd love to hear his take on it. Now, I always ask this question, man, and uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask it to you. When you guys came onto the ship for the first time, uh, had you done? Have you been on a cruise? Had you been on a cruise ship or any way, shape, or form before Ship Rocks? I don't know about the other guys. Um, I know a few of them have, but I've been on a few cruises. Uh, cruises because our our family took some cruises when we were kids, um, and I actually was sick the whole time for one of them. I'll never forget that cruise. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like Ship Rock for me every time. So like, when, when you're, you're, <laughs> Were they a bit, so they were vacation cruises and not like uh, music cruises or anything? Yeah, yeah, it was gotcha. just like a family getaway kind of thing. So yeah. then, when you like pull up and you're walking onto the cruise, I'm thinking of the moments, um, the moment when you're like you got your bags and you're walking into the uh, atrium, you know, and you you're seeing it all kind of like real time unfold. You're seeing the people, the booze is already flowing. What are your yeah. what were your thoughts? Like, oh shit, what did we get ourselves into? Or like you just said, <laughs> I'm the type of dude who just says, "Bring it on, motherfucker!" Or like, how, <laughs> how how did you take it all take it all in? Um, I had a lot of mixed feelings and thoughts, honestly, because. I wanted so badly to just party my ass off every minute that I had to remember I had to still perform a show. So that was a challenge in in my internal dialogue, Um, especially just uh, not even just drinking, but just talking to people. Um, I had to regulate it because a lot of people don't realize this, but the number one way you lose your voice, your singing voice is by talking too much not actually from singing and uh so i had to really like temper that which kind of made me have to really think about where am i going when you know how long am i going to be there because you end up talking to fans which is an awesome part of the experience and i love that um because you know there's a lot of surprises that come along with that i was in the elevator once and this this lady was in there and i look i just glanced down at her fingernails and i'm like what kind of fingernails are those and sure enough, my face is on her fingernails. And I was like, what the hell? I'm like, getting off of this floor. But also like, <laughs> how did you do that? Uh, so just like really cool, you know, fan moments and interactions like that. Surprises. But um, man, it's a mix. It's a mix. But I, I loved it. I had a great time. I just almost want to perform early so I can just not have to worry yeah. about singing. You know, the rest yeah, it's of like you get the schedule and you're like, shit, sick. First day, last day? Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. And that little friend is your witch who's going to be in the, bu- uh, the, the bathroom every single night. Uh, with the fans, though, that, I mean, that's the, the what you just said, that moment that you had in the elevator with that. Uh, with that lady in the surprising uh, like gesture that she had essentially set up to hopefully run into you. You know, the idea, uh, me as a fan, if I, when I'm doing shit like that, I'm like, oh God, I hope I see him. You know, because otherwise I'm going to look like a fucking asshole to all my friends, you know? Because <laughs> the whole moment, you know, the whole moment is to share a, a moment with the person that's given you so many of them, right? And as a fan, right, right. this is this is like 
the person that I've gone to for, for life advice, for, for hard times and good times. These, these are the people who have been the soundtrack to literally every living moment that I can think of in some way, shape or form. And here I am in such close proximity that not only am I in the same vessel sailing to uh, a destination of straight debauchery, but also now I'm in the fucking elevator with him. <laughs> And I got his face on my fingernail. And all I want that person to know at that very moment is, I fucking love you. Thank you. Thank you. You know? And um, that's one thing that the ship rockers, as you you know, after you get on that ship and go and play after that ship, they'll continue to to give to you, to give to the feeling that allows the energy that's inside of you to come out in a visceral way to make the music that we all love. You know? It's a really crazy thing. That's what's special about it. That's why it's so uh, unique. And that's why we'll be a part of the shiprocked uh legacy from from here on out <laughs> sick i was Love hoping it. that you wouldn't be like that i asked you that question like we were like sick can't wait that this is done <laughs> you know the, when you first walked on the ship. <laughs> well <laughs> see you later <laughs> well big gulp say eh? see you it's later <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man um do you have any favorite memories uh from i remember my favorite johnny memory from the, uh one of the crews uh, uh, cruises. Well, you and your lady and I, I don't think you realized that was next to you. And there was this like corner bar right in the main deck stage. And you guys were like going hard and people just like were right around you. And there's so many drinks in your, I think you had like three drinks in one hand at one point. <laughs> and I'm talking to your girl and, and I'm, we're just ch- chatting about stuff or whatever, like the ship and things. This is crazy. It's so awesome. And then you turn around and I, your eyes looked, looked me directly in the eyes. And you're like, I love you. <laughs> Like one of the drinks fell out of your hand and somebody else, like the moment that that one drink fell out of your hand, you grabbed it like somebody else had another one to give you in your hand. I'm like, damn, this dude's fucking set. I'm going to give him a hug, take one of his drinks. He's going to have another one. It's coming right around the corner. I'm going to get out of here. I remember that, but I thought it was a dream. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe yeah. it was. My, my thought was watching you guys in the deck stage and you're up on the scorpion and I'm up above and back and I'm thinking, man. You know what? That in a still theater is one thing, but we're on a moving fucking boat. I'm just thinking, please no rough waters, please no rough waters. So yeah, that was that was a little that was a little frightening. Watching, I'm going, this is cool as shit, but goddamn, that guy's brave. So I'll never yeah, forget that feeling being up on the scorpion tail, you know, twenty feet up on the stage, and it was just like feeling that whoa. Well, that's <laughs> the thing to me. Like I'm up on this thing in front of three thousand people in the middle of the goddamn ocean. What life am I living in? This is amazing. Right. <laughs> so amazing yeah totally yeah yeah dude uh, i mean the the one thing that i that, that i really wanted to ask post uh the question that I, that i did ask is do you do you remember the day that followed uh, you exiting the ship do you guys have to play a show the next day or do, it's that it's that come down feeling where you everything feels like it's still swaying did you guys have to play a show yeah, yeah. No, uh, no we didn't but um that was the weird thing um I think the alcohol offset that feeling for me for some reason, because when I was younger, our family went on a bunch of cruises, like I said, and every time I had the, the sea legs where you feel like everything's still moving. But as an adult, I went on ship rocked and drank my ass off and that feeling was gone. And I felt like normal when I got off. So I guess there's something to it. You, you figured it out. You're immune. Drink, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I can drink. Guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all 
Yeah, man. Uh, those are my. Those are always my two most uh, cu- I'm curious moments to ask everybody because I remember them very vividly, like super nervous and then super sick, but like having the best time being both super nervous and super sick uh, with the, <laughs> the, the nerves or whatever, man. Yeah. The ship is a crazy thing and yeah. the fans on there are really, yeah. really, really special people. Speaking of which, Justin, do, do we have any more fan, uh, fan questions? I got one, and it, I'd like to hear this question. I mean, it's probably one you it's asked every time, but let's let's go ahead and ask it. This is Debbie. She wants to know what's your favorite song to perform live. Um, personally, it doesn't it have to be a fan favorite. It can be just anything. Yeah, I think it changes, um, but I, I think probably in the last year or two, it's probably been this is the time. Probably. It's a, it's a, it's a it heart just, starter, man. It bounces. It's just got a, you know, it's heavy and everyone sings and it just, it feels good. Um, uh, oh, and, and fade and fade out. I'd say that one fade and fade out. Uh, the, the, actually, that song was brought up a couple of times in the comments, but one of the ship rockers answered it. So you've got some fans that know their stuff. Uh, <laughs> they want to know who is that song wrote, written for, and I, I guess it was written for someone within the band or the family. Yeah, um, when it was originally uh, written, Mark had the idea, and it, Mark's our guitar player. He uh, had spent some time with his father, and you know he was the he's the one in the band who has a son, so mm-hmm. he kind of saw the whole multi generational, you know, picture and saw oh, how that. that feeling came into a song. So we started working on it together, and then as we work on these songs, uh, we all personalize them you know even when i'm working on the lyrics i try to personalize them to me and my father but the original idea did uh come from mark yeah that's fantastic that's a great what a great topic too and the way to kind of make it happen and you can visualize that so that's that's super cool so uh yeah debbie actually that wasn't debbie's but yeah that debbie that was your question (laughs) thank you for asking that um, Chad, we've had Johnny for hour 10 at 70 minutes. It looks as though we have. It's so he's sweaty. He's ready to get back my, to work. Uh, my bladder is full. I'm ready to, <laughs> yeah, ready to he's rock. ready to rock and roll. <laughs> uh, any last things, Chad? No, man. I just, I, I just wanted to say thanks for being on here. I know that, uh, like, again, the, if anybody wants to go and check out the guys, uh, website, yes, they, their community is amazing. Um, there's so many awesome things going on with these dudes and they're constantly capturing it and giving you a little sneak peek. I suggest you become a member ASAP. Their merch is always dope. I have tons of it in my, in those drawers right behind me, uh, that I am <laughs> constantly wearing. I should have worn one. I feel like a, like a goof. And also, don't forget about their the record that's coming up uh, the the ten year uh, uh, new the ten year remastered version of a few not fleeting and the song gone out and that'd be about it for me did I do okay okay, <laughs> okay. yeah it was yeah. great the state farm the state farm commercial was good yeah um, you know get some insurance yeah. they're selling it now hey I'm on State Farm so you know what? let's give them a shout out as well Why there you not? go right to head the heck um, Listen, uh, Johnny, again, once again, thank you, man. Uh, if you guys were watching, if you want to buy some music or, or merch to the band, please <clears> do. <throat> he was uh, Chad, uh, just, just ran those things, right? Yeah, yeah check good. it out. All right, Boom. very yeah. good. Um, other than that, guys, this is our uh, this has been our hour of power with, uh, with Johnny from Nothing More. Listen, man, uh, good luck and success as you guys head into the studio here and knock out this next album. And obviously, thank 2021, you, you guys are going to be on our radar, and, and uh, hopefully, we can see some great things happen for you and yeah. others 
Um, can real quick, hear the album, man. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be seriously. stoked, dude. And uh, remember that acoustic album is somewhere in your canon down the road. <laughs> it's um, it's got to be. Hey guys, real quick before we before we sign off here, uh, the new or I'm sorry, the next yes, and I guess it's the latest uh, eBay auction is now up or will be up soon on eBay. Uh, just go and look for uh, you can go to Ship Truck Charity in the search bar on eBay. Um, remember, guys, all proceeds are going to go to Unite the United and For the Nomads to help all these crews right now that are, aren't on the road. So we're going to try to look out for our oh, brethren who are trying to keep these tours going and, and just kind of keep them afloat until we can get back to some sort of normal. So, again, um, everyone who's, who's, who's played already our bid and won items, thank you so much. Uh, your money means a lot. So, anyway, um, that's about it. Remember, on Friday morning, we'll announce the, uh, the guest uh, for Making Ways 15. So that'll be next Wednesday. Uh, once again, thank you, Johnny. Thanks, nothing more. Thanks, Will, uh, for making all this all happen as well. Uh, Chad, yeah. Give my guys, give my love to the guys, man, and uh, make a kick-ass record like I know you will. And I can't wait to hear it, man. I can't wait to see what's next after the Scorpion, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there you go, Ship Rockers. Thank you for joining us for Making Ways fourteen, and you guys have a terrific weekend. And we'll catch up next week. Thanks so Bye. much. Bye bye. Thanks, guys. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.